joke right there. I'm so serious. Why so serious? Little joke. Just let her know when you wanna be serious. Cause when you wanna be serious, I'ma play around. And when you wanna play around, I'ma be serious. And if we wanna play around and be serious at the same time, I'm just gonna walk off and be serious and playing around while I'm being serious. Because I'm just playing around. Cause I'm never serious. Why you been feeling good? What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Busy Balboa. Welcome to the Get to Know Me podcast. Roll it up, twist it up, and light it, because it's about to go down. Welcome to the Get to Know Me podcast. Go ahead and roll it, twist it, light it, get your coffee or your tea, meditate, pray, stage the building. You never know what may be said over the Get to Know Me podcast airwaves. My name is Busy Balboa. Welcome to the Get to Know Me podcast show. And I have a very special episode today. We have Brother EJ, formerly known as Eric Shepard, coming on today. Thank you guys for joining me. I've gotten many calls and messages and different things asking, hey, is that the dude? Is that the guy? Yes, <laughs> this is Brother EJ. And I'm glad that I reached out to him because um, he's more than just the guy who walked on the flag. And he has an incredible story. And I'm so glad that he gave us his time to tell us his story on his seven-year walk. And uh, it was just a lot of things that have always been on my mind that he cleared up. And I'm just blessed that he even gave me his time. The same day that we uh, recorded this episode, they announced that they're reopening the Kendrick Johnson case, which I think is very interesting, being that this also happened in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, Around this time that Brother EJ uh, walked on this flag, this was before Kaepernick took that kneel. This was before... A lot of the different things that were going on in the world as far as uh, people making statements and speaking out more and more often. So I feel like he's definitely a crucial part of uh, history, American history, black history, just history in general. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of things that were twisted up that he was able to clear and give a lot of uh, understanding on. And just just to hear him speak and just to know his story now, it opened me up so much and I know that you guys will love this uh interview and hopefully from now on you know it'll give you a a different insight on uh what really was going on back then and what goes on whenever uh you know you get put in a position like that I mean imagine he was only 21 years old when this happened and he was all over the news I remember whenever I first saw everything you know it was like whoa especially for it to be happening in Valdosta Georgia this is a place that is known for a lot of different things from Mary Turner to Kendrick Johnson to I mean you name it so many different things that have gone on there I mean to you know Eric Shepard <laughs> um so I I know that this is uh going to be one of my most played episodes but it's bigger than that because you know I just have a, uh, I have a passion in me for uh, just black history and just for justice. And, you know, it's so much going on in the world that it's hard to sit back and not speak about it. It's hard to sit back and just not have opinions and not want to do different things about it. And, you know, I'm just very blessed to speak to someone like Brother EJ, who 
has walked the walk and has gone through so many different things in life at such a young age. And, you know, just to hear where he's at now, it's inspiring and it's encouraging. And I just hope you all really take the time to listen to his story more than anything. You know, that's what we're here for. So, again, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm not going to take up too much of your time, but I have more episodes that drop today. So if you have time, please come back and listen to the other episode that I dropped today with uh, two artists that are also from Valdosta, Georgia, OG Bando and Mo Mackay. So uh, we air on Saturdays and you can listen to these episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may listen to uh, your podcasts. And uh, please stay tuned to the very end. I'll wrap it up with a little information about myself and ways that you can support Brother EJ and I. So thank you again. And uh, we'll get right into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, Brother EJ. All right, y'all, welcome to the Get to Know Me podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Very happy to have Brother EJ on with us today. Y'all, welcome him. Welcome, Brother. Greetings, 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 family. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Most definitely, it's a pleasure to be on your show, be on your podcast, to reach the people wherever I can find them. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. I felt it was very important. I've been wanting to talk to you and I was so happy that you agreed because, I mean, I can remember whenever I first even found out who you were, heard your name. I remember I was, I think I was at work and they were talking about, oh, did you guys see the newspaper? Did you see the newspaper? And I was like, what? What happened? What's going on? And uh, they brought me the newspaper and that's the first time I ever saw you. (laughs) which is incredible. I mean, full circle to all the things that have transpired. So now it's been a wild journey for you. And I just kind of wanted to take everybody back. If they've never heard of you, if they don't know about the history, if they don't know anything about what's happened, can you just take us back? Tell us your story. Um, First, we can just start off with, you know, where you from? Indeed. Well, before I get started, I want to open up in the proper way as we always do. Uh, mm-hmm. In the holy name of Allah, bear witness, there is no God but Allah, and that Muhammad is his messenger. Um, my, of course, I'm, I'm Brother brother EJ, uh, formerly known as Eric Shepard. Um, I'm going to start forward and then work backward, but I uh, recently joined the Nation of Islam as of November 19th, 2019. I got my ex mm-hmm. and... That was my journey into a new life and accepting the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But it was Mm -hmm. a seven-year walk into that. And uh, how a lot of people had come to know me was a transitory period during that seven-year walk into the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And that was back in 2015 down in Valdosta, Georgia, at Valdosta State University in Lowndes County. Um, right there at the southern tip of Georgia, just 30 minutes from the Florida border, in which I and a few of my uh, friends at the time, we were um, we had conducted a few political protests uh, on campus. And essentially, um, that protest, what a lot of people don't know, is that it was a culmination 
of a series of um, uh, presentations that I was giving in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I was a uh, double major in sociology and psychology uh, with a minor in anthropology and economics. Mm. And so my um, field of study in the, in the institution was dealing with the science of people movements, essentially, and the science of groupthink and the science, the, the social psychology of um, the dynamics of people activity across all sectors of society. So I was always attuned to and focused on very particularly and under a microscope human behavior. And so mm -hmm. the, the series of presentations that I was giving in the classroom was becoming more and more controversial and offensive to a lot of yeah. people because of the nature of how I presented it. Now, at the time, of course, like I said, this was a seven-year walk. This was the transitory period of the seven-year walk of me coming into the Nation of Islam. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> at that time in my development, um, if anybody knows Dr. Khalid Muhammad, a uh, very strong, powerful soldier uh, that once walked in the ranks with us and still has a great effect on many people today and is, and is a reason why many people are still in Islam or at least have found uh, some degree of a knowledge of self today. At that time, I was listening to almost 100% Dr. Khaled. But what Dr. Khaled was teaching was not his own teaching. It was the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, but his delivery, his style of doing it, uh, his ferocity, his his boldness, his audacity, that had an impression upon me. And mm -hmm. so as I'm going and I'm, I'm doing my own research and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm researching for my presentations, whether it be a presentation on um, why uh, black youth uh, do or do not accept a certain cultural lifestyle or uh, why hip hop culture is opposed to law enforcement, that kind of thing. So I'm presenting it with information, with research, with documentation from uh, legitimate websites, uh, collegiate uh, research websites, but mm -hmm. the style in which I'm doing it and the the premise from which I'm coming from is a very, uh, I would say, nationalistic approach to it because that's how the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had initially given us the teachings was in a very mm -hmm. nationalistic way. And so <clears throat> it always came with a... Uh, this or that kind of ultimatum at the end of my at, at the end of my lectures and i will mm -hmm. always put a point of what the messenger had proposed or what the ultimate end of all of this has to be which is complete separation that was always kind of the message that i had um, because of the inability for black people to live amongst white people so this ended up as you can surely note in a, in a very white town <laughs> like that right yeah, right. In a very white town in a very white school where one of our right. one of the former presidents of the United States, uh George W. Bush, got his training down there at Moody Air Force Base. In a very, mm -hmm. you know, uh gung-ho military town. Uh southern yeah. races with the history. The biggest cotton picking right. area ever. A very colorful history of uh not just mistreating our people, but savagely slaughtering our people in many ways more ways than none right. that Mary Turner. that kind of talk naturally earned me 
um, I would say, <laughs> surveillance on many levels. Uh, whether right. Because we already know the uh, the FBI, the CIA, um, several government institutions, they'll send in their agents in the form of professors and instructors and teachers mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So um, naturally, this, this was affecting my grades, of course. I mean, you know, every presentation that I had presented, though it was factual, and I know that it was right. factual because when the when the professors would give back my uh, my um, you know my project assessments or my papers or the discussion forms that we had done online or whatever, it would always it would I would have an F, but then I would I would wow. look all over my paper to see where are the red marks were. What are they marking wrong? Nothing will be marked wrong. They said, I remember one paper I had got a 15 on it, or it was actually a project. He said. He said, I'm not even grading you based on the content because it's factual, but I did not like how you presented it. So therefore I had to give you a 50, but it was factual. But the thing, but that shows like Dr. Francis Cress Wilson so eloquently articulated in her ISIS papers, the white man is in constant fear of white genetic annihilation. So when a black man shows fortitude and boldness and an audacity to speak truth to power, and speak truth to power from a position in which he seemingly appears as though he's nothing or as though he, he really has no power. But then when they see the effect that the words on his lips have on those slaves that they didn't made of our people, then they mm-hmm. put a target on it. So I oh, yeah. sensed it. I felt it. And I always, whenever I would give the presentation, I would always make it a point to include something that the professor had done during the course of that mm-hmm. semester, which was because it was a, nine times I think it was a white professor, or even if it was a black professor, I would show them how they would play into the hand of white supremacy or how they were, mm-hmm. how they were teaching on a white supremacist curriculum and whether they agree with it or not, they were wittingly or unwillingly submitting to a educational uh, uh, philosophy and ideology of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And so that quite mm-hmm. nat- naturally angered the professor, too, because now I was including a real life example. I mean, I was, you know, I can't necessarily go into all the specifics and detail because that's on the presentations. But right. you know, nevertheless, it was it, it, it was it, the way I would present it was very damning. But what mm-hmm. made it just ultimately damning, of course, like I said, were the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And at that time I was doing it. I, I, I didn't know any better at the time. I didn't know. Uh, that, you know, Dr. Khaled himself, as, as, as great as he was as one of our soldiers, uh, his, his etiquette, mm-hmm. his presentation could have been cleaned up. Uh, the the mm-hmm. manner and the style the, the which he delivered the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad could have been cleaned up. And oftentimes he had, mm-hmm. he had gotten reprimanded and chastised and, uh, you know, uh, dealt with accordingly, according to our, our, our protocol, um, in, in the the way in which he represented the teachings, it wasn't completely representative of how we should do things as if for why. But nevertheless, and I see now why in hindsight, because I, as a young man, 21 years old at the time, I'm just looking at it and I'm consuming it whole, not understanding mm-hmm. that there's a manner and a spirit in which you deliver truth. And that, I right. think, was the greatest lesson I learned out of all of it was humility, even the, the bearer and the holder of truth, the speaker of truth, 
has to deliver it in a manner that is respectful, that is mm-hmm. um, uh, conducive to the time as well, because we don't want to give it mm-hmm. out of season. Um, that doesn't right. necess- that doesn't right. take away from the truth or I don't regret anything that was said or was done. Of course not. But that's right. why the Honorable Miss Louis Farcon is our example. But getting back on, on point, um, so that all of that kind of affected my mind. And now I'm seeing how, you know, they responded to me in the classroom and I'm I'm looking at certain videos and I'm seeing, okay, well, Dr. Collar had went through this and he had uh been censured by the US government through the Congress and they censured him unanimously in the in the congressional portals. And then right after that, mm. he he went up and he made an even bolder statement, right? He kept going on with the fight. He kept going on with his audacity of just challenging the white supremacist power structure. Cool. So I, I'm thinking having a wise idea, especially with my compadres, I didn't got them fired off, fired up off the flame. I'm fired up from from listening doc, from listening to uh, old school tapes from Dr. Collin. And I'm like, well, hell. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let's do something that's, mm-hmm. that's going to set it off. Boom. Okay, cool. So everybody, you know, we, we just took it to the uh, to the mall area about our uh, state campus, and we just out there teaching, mm-hmm. out there teaching from the from the dome how how the guards used to do back in Harlem during the sixties when Clarence Thirteen X had walked the streets and he was teaching the young soldiers. He was giving them supreme wisdom. Mm-hmm. No, he wasn't supposed to do this. He was giving them supreme wisdom. Who is the original man, young mm-hmm. God? Who is the white man? You know what I'm saying? Running off the mathematics. So what's today's mathematics? So we doing that kind of thing, but. And with our own little flavor and style on the Velasa State campus. So, boom, we're getting a little bit of a following. It's a little bit of a gravitational pull coming. A little bit of an atmosphere forming around us of people gravitating to us because they sense the sincerity of love and compassion that we're doing this to want to uplift the minds of our people on the college campus. Mind you, Dr. Khaled. He did a lot of his scouting on the college campuses too. Dr. Wesley Muhammad. So mm-hmm. a lot of our movements in, in as far as black history go, go back to the college campus. Look at Stokely Carmichael. Look at Dr. Martin Luther King. That's Look true. at W.B. Du Bois mm-hmm. uh, right here in, in Atlanta with Clark Atlanta University. In fact, my professor, he was a former professor at Clark Atlanta right. University. So our movements are rooted in and grounded in much of it. The intellectual side That's of true. it is rooted in the 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 collegiate young class of people who not only have have a knowledge of self but they also want to further themselves with the education of what they can receive in this in, in this world so um you know mm-hmm. we on in and the people are sensing the sincerity and so uh, at mm-hmm. the time one of the brothers he wanted to offer i guess food or trees or whatever is people just we really just wanted people to come so we were offering them something just to come and listen to us and now mm-hmm. I look back at it, you know, and I'm speaking to you on this podcast, on this phone. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that the whole time. It, it really just struck me. When Master Fraud Muhammad started teaching, excuse me, Master Fraud Muhammad started teaching in Detroit, Michigan in July 1930. He would go to the houses of our people and he would he would make his way in. He would tell them that he's their brother from the east and he uh offered them you know he had silk linens for or he had certain linens for sale not silk that's where he had different style linens for sale and uh he would make his way in and he would start teaching them of islam teaching them of their nature and i remember mm-hmm. one brother telling me 
He said that Master Prophet Muhammad will often pay the people or offer something to the people to come and listen. And so now that I look at it, what we was doing, and not even wow. knowing that that's what was, you see what I'm saying? So the correlation. Wow. Yeah, you was already, yeah, already walking. walking there, and I did not even know it. And it really just struck me. But anyway, wow. so we were offering them. So, so mm. the brother wanted to, he was making at that time like homemade cookies or something like that, like oatmeal, chocolate chip cookies. He was making all of vegan mm -hmm. style so you know we was on that we was on all of that right boom we just yeah blackity black with it cool so um you know it i i liked the gravitational pull mm -hmm. but like the honorable miss lewis farcom when he's up on that rostrum he's speaking he looks out into the crowd and he sees empty seats it, it, it saddens him it, it disappoints him and i saw i saw yes. empty spaces not we weren't necessarily in a in a controlled indoor setting and environment like a mosque or a convention center or anything like that. But we were outside and I right. saw that more people could, there could be a sea of people listening. There could be a, a, a yes. fast, you know, there could be thousands, hundreds at least listening at the same mm -hmm. time. But I said, something's not attracting. Mm -hmm. Something's not, that. there's a, a missing element. Boom. So all this is going, and these are not my own thoughts, mind you. These these are thoughts from on high. You know, these are not things that yeah. I'm just creating in my own mind, like I'm all wise and intelligent in and of myself. No, these were, I was being guided at that time by Almighty God. So, right. so mm -hmm. I said, the bros, boom. I remember going back uh, before that, it was like two, three years prior to that, I was on a, like a misdemeanor probation. So they made me to uh, go do uh, um community service for like a little shoplifting charge or whatever and made me do it at a, at a mm -hmm. goodwill and while i was in the back of the goodwill you know the the uh uh custom uh, not the uh but the um what do you call her the uh, uh community service coordinator she said you know you can pick out a few things that you want to take with you every day since y'all are here and i remember one day there was an old mm -hmm. busted raggedy rundown american flag in there and the white lady had mm -hmm. picked it up and an older white lady, she said, oh, I don't want to do anything with this American flag. I didn't want to throw it away. She said, she gave me, she said, here, you take it. Maybe you can do something good with it, right? So that, that American <laughs> flag that had got walked on that, made that, that became viral, viral photo all over social media. I had gotten that from community mm -hmm. service doing slave labor for the white man under a, wow. a misdemeanor shoplifting charge in the Salvation Army, in the back of a Salvation Army down there in Valdosta, Georgia. Um, and so she mm -hmm. gave it to me. And then so two, three years later, fast forward three years later from that incident, you know, with, with the shoplifting charge and the community service, I'm running in my mind. I said, you know what, wise idea. I remember that white lady said, do something good with that flag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told the bros and they don't they don't even know this is the first time I'm saying this to anybody actually because but I, I know the whole story in my mind. So I, I told him I said I said um I said, you know what? Let me get that American flag because I had already done it before, but with a different flag. It was actually a piece of art that I had made and I did I had did it for one of my presentations. And I did it just a uh -huh. sample to see how people would respond when I put the American the 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 uh sacred american flag quote unquote on the ground <laughs> how would people respond to it uh -huh. right i knew it was going to be a uh it was going to be a very um uh decisive kind of thing you know you're going to be either forward straight up forward or straight up against it it right. ain't no middle ground with it 
So I remember I did it. Right. I, I actually did it back in 2014. This was during the, uh, you remember the, the Mike Brown protest lasted for about six, seven months, right? It was from August 2014 oh, yeah. uh-huh. to about January, February 2015. When it started getting cold, the protest, you know, died out, of course, naturally, as they do. And um, mm-hmm. so at that time, I was I'm real fired up because, and this, this is just to, to put a little bit more backstory on the motivation behind the protest. But, um, right. At that time, Mike Brown had, had, had been killed and murdered by Officer Dan Wilson out in Ferguson, Missouri on August 9th, 2014. Mm -hmm. And that was the second time that I had ever cried, literally like cry, a sense Mm -hmm. of uh, really uh, compassion and deep felt hurt overcame me. You feel it deep Mm -hmm. in your soul, like you know that black man is you. Or mm-hmm. that could have been mm-hmm. you, or it really is you because he's an extension of yourself. And so I saw the the right. the, the fire come out of the youth and their response to it. I saw how white mm-hmm. white America was very decisive and held their position and saying the hell with you niggas. We don't give a damn if we kill a million right. of you. We run mm-hmm. America. So the the very the 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 very clear racial scope of America was being put into perspective for me through the hurt and the pain of the bloodshed of Michael Brown. And that was the second time mm. that I had cried for a black man. It was, I told myself that would be the last time that I cried and not do something to make the move to attempt to do something. The first time was where, right. uh, when our friend overseas in Libya, uh, the former president of Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, was killed by uh mm-hmm. by um sanction of uh former president Barack Obama uh at the behest of yeah. that hawk former secretary of state Hillary Clinton because of her vendetta against mm-hmm. uh Libya and the Muslim world in general. Um and so that was the first time and that that hurt me very deeply too. And then that happened with mm-hmm. Mike Brown so it, it came back home. And so uh, I had, like I said, I was doing presentations, and my presentation at that time was actually on, uh, like I said earlier, hip hop and its opposition to law enforcement or the culture of anti law enforcement in hip hop. And uh, right, you know, of course, my my keynote uh, uh, song that I presented was N.W.A. Fuck the police, straight mm-hmm. the hell on up. Right, and it was a white professor, mm-hmm. and he was pro law enforcement which made it all the more better for myself because I couldn't wait to sink my <laughs> teeth into his racist dog mm-hmm. ideology and, 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 and his psychology. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was during that presentation that I said, you know what, I'm going to try out this American flag thing. This was just in the country. This was about like 30 people. This is over in one of the halls, you know, right. in the classroom ducked off in the back room somewhere. And I had the, the American flag laid out like a doormat. And when the, when I was watching how the students coming, you you know, all the white folks was jumping over it, hopping over it, skipping and cartwheeling and somersaulting over it because they didn't want to step on the the blessed American flag, old glory and all of that, right? <laughs> Man, all the black folks was like, nigga, what? Nigga, we stepping on it. We don't give a goddamn, <laughs> you know? So the the very, it was clear in people's actions. I was, I was like, I know how this presentation is going to go now. I've already angered the white mm-hmm. folks. 
and all of my and it was listen, you could you could throw a dart down the middle of the room and it'd be the dark bunnies on one side and the light bunnies on the other side. Listen, every it was looking like a 1960s setting. All the white folks was on the left side, <laughs> all the black folks was on the right side and during that presentation. And the white folks just mean, angry, red face, just scowling. And all I put they sitting over there on the right, just cheesing, smiling, ready for me to go ahead and tear it to us. So it was a, it was a good, it was a, ready for you to go. They were ready. Presentation. Listen, this is a two-hour, forty-five-minute class. I presented. I presented literally the whole entire time. It was only supposed to be a forty-minute uh, presentation. Group present. Hold on, group <laughs> presentation at that, right? I, I, I mm-hmm. basically uh, hijacked the whole. Uh, class time told the professor I'm going to be presenting mm. for the whole class period told my group don't you say anything I'm going to present the whole thing and if you do say something just say something off the part that I had gave you that I had already pre-typed up for you but don't say nothing else just say that and I'll take over the rest boom so that's how the whole presentation and then I, right. had, I had the group wear all black that day boom right so we Ooh. wearing all black and we up there I'm just going in boom and 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 I'm I'm delivering in the spirit that I felt Hollywood deliver it in, which at that time, like I said, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. wasn't the best spirit to deliver it in because it's gonna naturally anger, mm-hmm. it's gonna anger the devil in them, you know, right? <laughs> and off, off the, the top. top, and so you know these those words could very well cost your life if you don't have protection. You know, there's a reason why when our ministers mm-hmm. stand up, they don't they don't not have FOI security around them because it's it you, you want right. to deliver a lecture with a clear mind. You want to be in a spiritual frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And to have to do uh deliver a lecture on a spiritual level but also be uh security minded at the same time worrying about protocol and safety procedure and you know scanning the audit. You don't want to have to have to jump back and forth because it, it may throw off your points or throw off what you have to say and things. So that's why we appoint brothers to be around him, you know, to be around the minister to, to protect mm-hmm. him. So at that time, you know, that's right. I didn't have that, of course. I'm not, I'm not right. I'm you not didn't have nation, that. So I had to I had to make my own security. Man, I'm not gonna say it on this podcast, but I had to uh create some my own security measures because I was wise enough at that time to know, you know, I can say some things that could very well piss some of these crackers off and this could turn to or shooting, right? Because that is characteristic mm-hmm. of them that they would uh, come in and yep. pull a Columbine. You know, if they're angered or if yeah. they, hell, these crackers, they'll, you know, they they get laughed at in a, in a way that they don't want to get laughed at. And, and they, they go, oh, and, and they, they go, go nuts, and they come in and they murder a whole uh, everybody. So, you know. Just because right. you got laughed so, at. Me saying to them straight on up that they are uh, participants in a global system of oppression and that they are mm-hmm. up devils. I mean, I was just, I was, I was hitting them with it. I mean, I, I wasn't pulling mm-hmm. no punches. And so, you know, as I'm I'm detailing the, the 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 systemic structure of white supremacy as it operates economically and educationally and everything like this, and then I'm tying it into how it's articulated into the hip hop culture and things like that. 
these crackers is getting mad as hell. Boom. And oh yeah, right. How and dare so you? during the presentation, about five or six of them walked out, and I and I said okay. I said Ooh. I said okay. It's, it's it's ramping up a little, but as I'm getting this kind of response, it's actually fueling me, fueling me in some ways, and in other mm-hmm. ways, I wish I knew how to how to control it because at the same rate, my ego is getting up there. But you want to be cautious not to be you know ego driven on anything that you do. But nevertheless, I was motivated mm-hmm. by the fire of. Because I saw the dissatisfaction of the devil was the second. Yeah, right. you saw the reaction. And, and you so saw the it. Converse, the satisfaction of my brother was at an all-time high, and my sister was at an all-time high because mm-hmm. we, you know, in they were proud. Our people want, like James Brown said, we want that payback. You know, and that's just quite natural. Mm-hmm. What is coming to right now? Right. Good payback. especially, mm-hmm. and 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 like with the George Floyd protests, and we, you saw what was happening then. You saw how these young young brothers and mm-hmm. sisters is out in the streets, and we just wrecking white business. You know that even it, all of, it's oh, lawlessness, yeah. it's criminal behavior. I don't advocate it, of course not. But at the mm-hmm. same rate, you saw. Right. But you, this is what this happens. is what happens when you suppress the voice of a people when you suppress their their pursuit to, for freedom, justice, and equality. So, nevertheless, to, um, not to get too far off, but that was the initial time. That, no, that you, was you the right initial on. point <laughs> of protest. The first time I had with the American flag, yes. but it was done with the different one. Now, both American flags, I've, I've retired. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've, I've actually... It's crazy now, you know, they went from being on the on the ground in some southern cracker town to now they, they up on my wall in the house because they are reminded to me. And mm-hmm. I know what they stand for in the history. Yeah, that yeah, is a and, journey. And it really is, and so much history is, is packed into it. So, um, but nevertheless, uh, so the second time, like I said, I had took the the, the old rag, uh, ragged, tattered, American flag. It was it was brown. It had rust stains on it from a rusty pole that it had been wrapped around. And the white ladies said, do something good with it. Mm. So them words had struck me as soon as the brothers was like, they was like, man, we need to do something that's going to, you know, pull the people to us. And boom. So I was like, I already know what's, what it's going to do. Because I remember I had did a prototype test in the classroom. So we going to so, so <laughs> are bring it out in the open, in the public, in the mall, in the public area where there are Ooh. no walls. And everybody can see it. And it's about four dormitories in a big old old mm. library that overlooks the campus. And you can see right down there on the mall where we gonna right. be. You the dean's office, they can see it from the from the student university center. Uh in Nevins Hall, the science center, they can see it in the Converse Hall. The people living in those residential dormitories, they can see it. Uh people living in Georgia Hall, they can see it from way down the mall. Hell, when people walking from, from Langdale and Lounge Dormitory and Brown Hall, they can come and they can see what we because we right there in the in the in the uh in the centerpiece of the university right so right boom, in the smack that next day we go home i get up i snatch that american flag boom then you know we heading out to the mm. campus that thing right there on the ground this was friday april 17th 2015 and uh we were out there and uh, uh, mm. I was dressed in like an all tan khaki kind of camo suit that day, and um, that's you know when you know if, if you ever at all for me, which so I kind of just hit it quick and and moved. But um, uh, the the Navy yeah. vet veteran um, uh, Michelle Manhart was her name, 
she had actually she I think she had a, a daughter or niece who had attended Valdosta State University, a white lady. And so her her daughter, her niece, she was there. So you all, you should be ashamed of yourself for doing so and so and so. You know, she was mad as hell. So she called her her auntie, who she knew was just a Navy veteran, was just gung ho. She wouldn't, you know, she she wouldn't stand for this by her her, her great country and things like that. So. You know, as they're running through this kind of jingoistic uh, racial mindset, um, you know, me and the bros, we standing our ground like, you know, this is what it is. We we don't give a damn. And at the same time, and it and it did work. It ultimately did work because it turned into what it turned into. And we can look back at it as a right, piece of exactly. history of something that happened uh, here in America. And mm-hmm. so, um, you mm-hmm. know, nevertheless, uh, she came on the campus and she ended up getting arrested because she took the flag. And in her taking the flag, it was actually a criminal charge because it wasn't her property to take, even though she did it for patriotic reasons, right? right? She ended up getting arrested for it because <laughs> it was legally wrong. And so that angered the mm-hmm. hell out of this military. So now Ooh, the Air Force wish. Base is looking. Now the... So now you right, got now Moody and Valdosta State University is looking. Now uh, uh, other others mm-hmm. are looking from other places than the news media, not just local, not just regional, but national. Because mm-hmm. Megan Kelly right. had reported it, Bill O'Reilly had had reported, Sean Hannity, and the mm-hmm. Young Turks had all ran uh, news uh, 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 stories on it yep. during their during their snippets on their respective. Uh, uh, channels so you know all of this so mm-hmm. she, she ends up getting arrested and now this was on a Friday April 17th 2015 like I said and so the day ended with her being arrested in a video on YouTube of what's going viral and this Navy veteran getting arrested and she ends up she ends up getting found <laughs> yeah. out about because she, on one side she wanted to uh, be you know this heroine of saving the American flag from these dreaded uh, black savages who are desecrating it, right? And then mm-hmm. Megan Kelly, her mm-hmm. own people, they pull up a photo of her. They say, "Well, according to the flag codes, you should not drape it on your body." But here you are in a twenty something, I think twenty eleven mm-hmm. Playboy model magazine draping the American flag over your naked body. So she yep. was very embarrassed by it. So it's like her own people checkmated her. And checkmate and made her to look foolish. See, I didn't see all of this is not my own doing. Mm-hmm. Allah God did a lot of this because the enemies that were coming up to try to oppose right. us as we were speaking truth just as young babies on a college campus, Allah God was making mm-hmm. the enemy to uh discredit their own self and embarrass their own self right. in the public on national television. So it was just, you know. I remember and seeing so that. That happened on on the Friday. Of course, school mm-hmm. was out on the weekend. So Saturday and Sunday, uh, you uh-huh. know, it wasn't it wasn't it like any other week. It was one of the longest weekends I've ever had in my life, because, you know, not only was all that stuff happening, that Saturday, Valdosta Daily Times had put a snapshot photo of me walking across the American flag on the Valdosta Daily Times in the. Headline red flag fracas at VSU. And there they go, got Eric Shepard walking across mm-hmm. the American flag looking like a, a black panther militant, looking like 
a, a danger mm-hmm. to society and a menace, right? In the, in the eyes of black men. So mm-hmm. my homeboy, mm-hmm. he bring it to me. We sitting at my other homie's apartment. He bring it to me. He's like, hey, boy, they got you all on the news. Where you all? You all on social media and you all in print media. <laughs> <laughs> Look, everywhere to a lot because I'm looking at I'm like wow my I'm like I'm awestruck I'm like wow I, I mean we were just doing this to to make noise on campus not to necessarily have this carry over yeah make noise around the really world just around, even if it was around the state or around the region but the whole nation and other people until that was you know mm-hmm. that in itself was flooring to me but that just goes to show you the power of almighty god Allah. and see that's why we say we the we the mighty f-o-y not because we mighty of ourselves but the god who backs us is mighty and so uh latch mm-hmm. on to when we hold on to and we connect ourselves to the generator of the electricity of the divine electricity and power of almighty god Allah, we ourselves are now on borrowed power from Almighty God, like we can then say that we are mighty FOI, but we must stay plugged into the source. And so, mm-hmm. you know, with all of that, how how that just shot out like that, that wasn't my doing. I had no control over that. Hell, I don't, I don't even, you know, at, at that point, I didn't even right. have more than the 1,500 followers on Instagram and more than 3,000 friends on Facebook. So it, it wasn't me, of course. Mm-hmm. It was it was a divorce of, of all of that happening. But, um, so, um, mm. at the same rate, so that Saturday and that Sunday passed, but in the midst of that Saturday and that Sunday passing, you know, um, at the time I was a legal gun owner and, um, you know, the mother of, of, of my children, she was living with me at the time down there in Valdosta and, uh, I was staying with a roommate and his girlfriends, you know, four in the house mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that weekend, you know, I had I had a, a, a firearm for each person in the house, basically. So, we, you know, every time we went out, I told them, I said, protocol, mm-hmm. leave the phones at the house. I said, you know, everybody take a firearm, boom. And we, wherever we got to, even if we just going down the street to the gas station, get get a few little Funyuns or whatever, get some hot Cheetos, it don't matter. We carrying our firearm because we don't, because at this rate, we, we cause so much tension in the city that anybody, uh, could could want to get at us at any given time, so we can't. Yeah, at any given right, time, we, we, we can have afford to be it. on our p's and q's with what we're doing. So, you know, uh, I get a mother of my child. You know, one of the Springfields, and I had this, I had a Springfield four five. She had the nine. Marcus, I think, he and his girl, they were carrying the assault right mm-hmm. before. <laughs> they was, you know, they big dogs. So. Anyway, we just, but it's so tense because we, tra- mm. anywhere we went, we went to go pick up the mother of my child from work and um, we going across town to, um, you know, do just little menial tasks. But everywhere we had to go that weekend for that 48 hours, it was just tense. And the re- what made it more tense was that uh, one of mm-hmm. the other brothers that I was with at that time down there, um, Brother Vaughn, shout out to him. Um, he, uh, I think he had an app at that time. I don't know if, if you remember it, but he was telling me he was on an app called Yik Yak or something like that. Um, and in the app, basically, you mm-hmm. could communicate with people anonymously in a certain radius to your to your location. So I think that you can uh-huh. have a 10-mile, 7-mile, 5-mile radius, and you can communicate anonymously. 
So his radius wasn't on, and your radius matched the radius of other people. So you were basically in a room with other people at that same radius. So if, you, if you're on a two-mile radius, other people on the two-mile radius that you're talking to. I guess is how it worked. And so he's getting messages to his phone mm-hmm. that it said, it said any nigga that walk on the flag, again, is going to be a dead nigga. So he basically getting threats from on an on a app that uh make your identity anonymous and you don't know who the hell's coming from but you're in a two mile radius from mm. folks. so people are knowing wow. where you're at. They, so, so your it location is crazy going, and they're sending out threats anonymous so you know in our mind we're right. like well especially my mom like, but shit uh, you know I'm not about to be out here unequipped I'm not about to be I'm not about to be get you know about right. to get caught lacking nothing nothing like that bro you know, Sunday right. passes. This is all in the back of my mind. I'm barely getting sleep. That's but I'm energized. It, it didn't matter because I'm I'm just jolted with like you know all kinds of anxiety, but thrill, joy, happiness, satisfaction. I didn't feel like I didn't I didn't broke several chains, generational chains just by doing standing mm-hmm. up and doing it. By oh my God, life just made me to stand up and speak truth, and so. Uh, Monday come, boom. Monday, April twentieth, twenty fifteen. That was the day that uh, the uh, YouTube video came out. Uh, when I was speaking on the YouTube, I think it was like a five minute video. And what's interesting about that video? It was actually a white girl that had recorded me on that, and uh, I didn't ask for her to mm-hmm. record me or anything like that. She asked if she could. And that's when the video started. I told her that yeah. you know she could, but don't speak while I'm speaking because I want to make sure that the points are heard. And so, um, you know, I, I, I went on that, that same, that day, April 20th, we basically repeated what was done April 17th, but everybody was out now. And so that, mm-hmm. that kind of, um, intention I had initially where I wanted to see more people out there. I wanted to see our people in droves. I wanted to see, uh, hundreds of, of, of people out there. It came to fruition, but it wasn't just hundreds of our people. Of course not. It was hundreds and thousands multiplied on top of another hundred of thousand of their people out there. But at the same rate, they're doing a counter protest right. like we're doing our protest. So you got all these white people and all these right. uh, uh, handkerchief head, stool pigeon Negroes who want to love on white folks. They carrying their American flags. They didn't painted their faces red, white, and blue. And they doing all that foolishness to appease, <laughs> appease their white friends and their white professors. And they bad talking us in the classroom. And I think mm-hmm. every classroom discussion, it didn't matter if you was minoring in. In, in, in the science of grasshopper mating, you was talking about social politics in America on the Valdosta State class in the Valdosta State classroom on mm-hmm. that day. You were most definitely talking about the current events of what was happening and how that event had a ripple effect all around the country. Nobody was really talking about what the res- their respective mm-hmm. the sciences and their respective disciplines. Nobody was talking about that, you know. So it just showed gravitational pull of that mm-hmm. when you speak truth and you when you stand up on truth, you become a focal point. And this movement, you become a focal point for all mm-hmm. of humanity, rather. And you become a focal point for people's senses. So, anyways, uh, they they doing that protest, and that day was just heavy. I mean, it was eight hours I was standing up teaching. I mean, I had never had that, that much energy in my life. 
but it was just I was just going and going and going. And so now mm-hmm. again, looking back in retrospect, this is only Almighty God Allah doing this, you know, because man just you know standing and doing that of his own self, he you gonna get worn out soon. So anyway, um, eight hours I'm out there, mm-hmm. white boys and uh, Asian people and Arabs and people of all. Uh, classes, culture, creeds, they coming up because Valdosta State University is an international university, All even though it's a country, it's in the country, China, it's an international university, so all kinds of people are approaching me, and they, why are you doing this? And, well, mm-hmm. Why are you walking in? And don't you think it's disrespectful to, and, and, and what about our veterans? And these kind of questions, so all day, I'm just going and I'm, I'm giving everybody that, anybody that approached me who maybe, even they inquire for the wrong reasons, or they ask a question with a wicked intent or a, a, a twist on a word to try to trip me up or try to embarrass me and to make me seem like a buffoon or some uh, some zealot or some some fanatic. It, it ended up now. So, mm-hmm. long story short, and I just speeded up. Uh, right, You know that that day passed and we were successful by the grace of God. And um, you know there was not one person left we were the last we were the first people to get on campus and and and, and set our mm-hmm. protest uh demonstration up, right set the flag up and everything like that we had the rbg flag out there i think we had the, the more science temple flag at the time too we were just everything black that that helped our people we wanted it out there we were like <laughs> anything, yeah. yeah anything good we for wanted black it out people, there. we wanted to be shown right so we want it out there mm-hmm that by the end of the day, the, the the lights had came on the uh the, the overhead lights, the, the street lights or whatever. They were over the mall, and I looked up and down the mall. I said, "Wow, we the last ones out here, and ain't nobody else." So that 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 shows you that when you stand on truth, you're gonna be the last one standing, literally, because everybody else, they had left home, they had went and did this. Oh, yeah. It was me and four or five other people out there, and that was the brothers that I came with that morning, and we were the last ones mm. standing. And I was like, "Well, and see, but nobody knows. They only see that five minute mm. clip on you. But that same day." Uh, that YouTube clip, we were the last ones literally right. standing on that mall after speaking for eight hours truth, whooping the hell out of people with this truth. And so <laughs> anyways, um, mm. then the next day came. Now, the next day I say, all right, now back to regular scheduled programming because I'm I'm a little bit warm from the contract that that quick little spurt of contract. I, I didn't need all that in such a, you know, it was just so all of a sudden I was like, damn, I don't need I did. I did not. Yeah, I didn't know how. Yeah, it was all of a sudden. It was rough. Twenty-one, and you know, especially being in that in young mindset, you just don't know, yeah. you know, how to do it. Now, mind, this is a ripe age of twenty-one, like Fred Hampton, twenty-one, kind of thing. And right, twenty-one, so day, young. Say, you know, it's just gonna be a regular day, but you know, we still getting threats. I'm gonna still, you know, be protected. So, um, of course, I come on the campus. I got, the, I got the four or five in the bag, the pistol, XD, Springfield. I got. 13 and I got 13 in the clip, one in the head. Mm-hmm. I got an extra clip in the bag with 13 in it. Boom, ready to go. Nothing in the bag but my headphones and the charger. I didn't even have a school ID, and I think I had two or three copies of um Introduction to African Civilization by uh I forgot who 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 uh wrote that book, but anyways, I had about three copies of that. And so um that day, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just sitting talking with it, and people still coming up to me like it was like the protest still going on, asking me questions, and they didn't got me mm-hmm. back fired up. I said, you know what, fuck it, I ain't going to class. Excuse my language, but I said, God damn it, I ain't going to class. 
I said, we're going to have mm-hmm. class out here. So I, I went on mm-hmm. teaching again. Boom. This time, this is when the ear <laughs> of a Judas tunes in. When he tuned in, looking from afar. Uh-huh. And you saw, the, you saw the video of who he was. And, uh, yeah, I so saw he, the video. He's, he's looking and he's, and now I didn't know. I had just been told this about like a month ago, but the one of my bros that I was with at the time, he told me that he had spoke to him before. He was kind of in a circle and he had said that, you know, his mindset, his mind frame was really like he he was a straight up Negro. He was he was a, a passionate, patriotic uh house nigga. And he 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 loved that position. Yeah. Uh society. That that was just who he was. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he wanted to do. And so, you know. He right. loved to impress the white right. man. Right. He's a yes nigga. You know, that's how he came right. off in the no, video. I, and yeah. um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't. I don't want to make sure I ain't going too uh too long. I didn't want to take up too much of time, but no, but, you're um, fine. Anyway, so uh, you know, he's hearing what I'm saying, and one I think one of his homies or whatever, one of his friends at the time. They asked me the question. You know, why did you do it? That's always like it was like the activated question. Why? You know why? You know, and I always will fire back <laughs> yeah. something kind of smart, but something you know really that gets to the root of it. You know, why are we living in this condition? Why do white people treat us the way that we do? Why do we treat right. ourselves the way that we do? Why? So you know, I would ask multiple questions on top of a question, mm-hmm. and then I would start getting into it. And so as I'm right. as I'm talking to one of the brothers that's close to him, and I remember seeing his face as he was listening through, and um. You know, I I, I wow. guess at that time, you know, now, like I said on the video, the the seed of uh, Indian jealousy starts to rise up in the person when they see mm-hmm. one of their own uh, gaining some notoriety or gaining some attention or uh, speaking truth and 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 doing mm-hmm. it for righteous reasons and righteous purposes and it's pure intent behind it and they sense the sincerity of love. <laughs> and compassion for the people that in them causes mm-hmm. to, them to develop this rage, this internal rage. So like the Holy Quran, right? So like the Holy yeah, Quran they says they would it. die in their rage. And so this what was going on in the mind. Mm. You, you saw it come full manifest off of his lips. He was articulating his envy and jealousy on that body cam video. And they asked, they said, who, who, who who's uh-huh. bad was it? Yeah. He said, uh, EJ, I think, uh, EJ Shepard. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, and he and and chief of police Brian Churches, yeah. he said, "Are you sure? Yeah. You sure that's him?" And then he responded, uh, "Yeah, he all on the internet. Mm-hmm. He all on all screen and all that." See, so mm-hmm. right. So yeah, he said he all on the internet. The fact that a uh, uh, a public platform was being established around now what was becoming mm-hmm. a household name, Eric Shepard, and the fact that. People in his mm-hmm. own circle were attracted to, mm-hmm. him, right? The fact that you know we mm-hmm. we were moving off sincere intention, the fact that we honestly were were, were aiming mm-hmm. for trying to gravitate toward and trying to capture the hearts and minds of our people, that is enough to anger yeah. the Judas because the Judas feels that he himself is worthy of that, oh, yes. and that's just the mindset that is the foundation of betrayal because you think that you are owed what 
a mm-hmm. blessing that God gave somebody else because you're too worried about or you're too focused on what they're doing and how they're doing it and not focusing on honing your own skills, your gifts, your crafts, your talents to mind mm-hmm. God out of you. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, mm-hmm. quite frankly, caused the brother to, you know, go in, uh, snitch and make a statement to the police. And it's right there on video. He cannot, cannot mm-hmm. deny it. And we have the statement black and white. And you know what you did. And you see what you did. And everybody else recognizes it. See, I never, when I uploaded the video and I made it public, I didn't want to tag him. I knew his information. I knew he was very easy to tag and access. But I didn't want to upload that. For the simple reason that I just wanted. Right. The, it, it was timely because that new movie had come out. Judas and the Black Messiah. Right. So it was very time. opportune time to post this. Oh, and then yeah. yes, the sir. Final Call newspaper was right on time with it, too. Right. Through pigeons, sellouts and ops. <laughs> right. Well, everything is right in line. Everything's right in line. Mm-hmm. So I said, OK, you know, I had I actually a clip of it back in 2016. And, you know, it got 27 views. And no, but nobody, I, I kind of just brushed it under the and I wow. uploaded a follow-up clip of what the Honorable Miss Lewis Farcon said. I won't repeat it because it's just it, it wouldn't be appropriate to pe- repeat those words right now. Um the 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 uh the very tense political climate mm-hmm. in America right now. But nevertheless, I had um posted that clip back in 2016. Mm-hmm. It's since been deleted, but uh I posted it with a follow-up clip from the Honorable Miss Lewis Farcon speaking of uh, when he was uh, citing uh, and quoting the words of the messenger who said that uh, stool pigeons are unfit members of our society and there's no place in our society. Yes, you know? sir. So, they surely are. Um, mm-hmm. um, nevertheless, you know, as, as far as the story, you know, going forward, uh, you know, my bag, I had, like I told you, I had a, a pistol in the bag. And as I was teaching, I, I, I left the bag because I was just you know, concerned about teaching. Now, of course, this is not wise. If you're going to bring that with you, it should be with you in the case that something do happen. You know, that was a that was a fault on my part. But nevertheless, you know, to answer the big question, right. did I actually have, yes, I most definitely, that wasn't a conspiracy. I, I had a pistol, most definitely. But the conspiracy was white supremacy that okay. uh, ultimately uh, caused the black man to uh, be in fear of his life, if you will. To feel like he had to 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 fight and defend his own life, or right. be prepared right. to fight and defend his life with little carnal weapons of this white man's world. Okay, cool. You know, right. but nevertheless, um, you know, still a fault of mine. But uh, you know, that's why I'm glad he and the honorable Elijah Muhammad. His wisdom is 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 eternal. You can't outgrow it, and it, it can always be applied in any situation, any aspect of the mm-hmm. teaching. And he he tells the FOI, and it's a, it's our instruction, it's our protocol. Uh, we do not carry weapons. We don't even carry so much as a pen knife, you know. And so, um, having now known that, then I did not know that. But having now known that, you know, that one little thing would have saved me a heart, a, a a world of trouble. And so, you know, the rest is history, and everybody knows that. Um, at that point, you know, the police had came on campus. They, you know, uh, someone or some yeah, people they did. collectively were calling the police and telling, uh, making, uh, calling the operators and making statements that I was threatening 
to shoot and kill white people on campus. Oh, and it looks that how it appeared now. Of course, mm, this was not mm, mm, mm. what was happening. I wasn't. Oh, I'm gonna shoot and kill. I'm gonna kill y'all. No, that's not what I was doing. Exactly. They again, the, the fire had reignited, and they didn't like that militant. They didn't like that uh, board audition right. and pointing out, you know, right. the wrongs in society. Pointing out why people can improve and dealing with one another. Things like this, and so yeah, they they, they twisting it. They twisted they had to find a way to connect those dots. Wipe you. So then they come on campus mm-hmm. and uh, as they come on campus, you know, and I don't, I don't want to go too far into it because a lot of those details, they're going to be in the book. But I just make this part short. Right. I say when they came on campus, um, they ended up, of course, they, they found the pistol. Right. But they couldn't immediately connect me to it. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole and I'll go into it in the book. But there was a, a way I had finessed out of that situation. And uh, while I was on campus talking to police, and they released me, and uh, of course it was it was only by the grace of the God that I was even able to skate out wow. of that, because um, I, I I didn't know how I skated out of that. Um, mm-hmm. so anyways, I uh, ended up going on the run, mm-hmm. and uh, the detail the details of that are in the book as well. <laughs> but I went on the run um, uh, for about a month and a half. Actually, I was on the run for a month and a half, and in that time period. Um, I had sent an eight-page memo to Vados, uh Daily Times and to the uh, chief of police and the police department and uh, others uh-huh. in the uh, authority in Lowndes County. And that would actually ended up getting sent to the FBI. And then the FBI opened up a, mm-hmm. a, a file on me uh, under uh, wow. number 120776 in D3. Mm. And um, still to this day, they've, they've screened me as a domestic terrorist. And so... Um, I actually had the U.S. Federal Marshals. Uh, they had actually sent the U.S. Federal Marshals. Um, they had uh, FBI agents stationed outside of my parents' house. They had ghetto birds flying over uh, my parents' house. I mean, almost, uh, you know, on the hour, every hour, you know, flying over. I'm pretty sure they were doing other forms of uh, wow. surveillance and monitoring that we still today may not be aware or may not be aware of until years later the full scope of what they were doing to try to get me because they uh, may have thought that I was going to come back home to my parents' house up in Atlanta. But, you know, they were going up north to look for me. I had Mm -hmm. went back down south. So, you know, the devil and I would be, in a sense, separated for a period of time. Then, uh, you know, then other things happened. I ended up, uh, you know, a month and a half later, after being on the run, uh, another Judas, which I detailed in the book, uh, ended up telling. And um, I ended up getting found mm-hmm. out about down there in Tampa, Florida. And the U.S. federal came. Yeah, and I, I got arrested. And then I was taken to the Hillbrook yeah, County Jail. And then from there, I was extradited back up to Lowndes County, uh, just past the uh, northern Florida border right there in South Georgia. And so, um, you know, I only I only stayed in jail for about, 26 28 days wow. maybe not even a full month on it but i was in isolation of course as you would expect the whole time um but nevertheless, you know it was it was uh it was right. a very fulfilling experience and i felt you know kind of like how queen and slim did on that movie when they went on the run I, yeah mm-hmm. and see Damn, you know the fact how it ended, you you saw how it ended I, I was in that movie with my mother and 
as as the laws my witness, I shed a tear. And I looked at her and she was, I could see her shedding tears. I said, wow. I said, because their story ended in Florida. They started in Ohio, then they went to New Orleans, I believe. Right. And and that was and they, that st- was they the, ended the, in Florida. The same yeah. with my with my case. It started in I'm not gonna lie to you, brother. I think that's the first movie that I yeah. walked out of weeping. Like I couldn't even catch my breath. It was uh it took me a minute to even drive off because I was like, you know, I, I just had that mm. feeling. And I got the same feeling when I read the spook that sat by the door. Right. It's right, just right, um right, right. it's like we gotta do better, you know. It's something it's something with us, you know, it's something with us because no one should be allowed to be able to manipulate us right. to the point where we are we do things of this nature against each other whenever we've been so oppressed and and so uh shattered to the point where right. now we feel like we gotta impress and we gotta mm-hmm. tap dance and that's gonna be right. the that's the way out, selling out. <laughs> it's, it's really crushing to the spirit. It really hurts the soul whenever you are passionate about your people mm-hmm. and passionate about us. It just really crushes the soul. No, you good. Um, no, and, it's and not. Is out your right. book already out? out? I'm sorry um, to interrupt you. But inshallah, it'll be out. Uh, I plan on having it out by July, by this summer. Um, at least, at least by my birthday, I want to have it released. Okay, um, but okay. It's, it's, it's nearly done. The draft stages are. Uh, I have one part left of it, um, but nevertheless, uh, it'll be a very telling experience. And I go in mm. deep detail, just as long as it took me to go through that. I mean, but I'm, uh, it's in written form, and I, I I include transcripts and things that were happening in recording. Then on top of that, I I I, I over um I, I have an overarching wow. divine perspective of it when I'm uh speaking on the situation but i'm referencing and citing how scripture had foretold that things like this would not just to one person but to the whole of humanity mm-hmm. but i bring it to focus and hone in on my life and so like one of the and and thank you sis i appreciate it and all praise I love how you do because, that. um you know like one one scripture that i cite most and speaking about the judas factor um as we just recently uh, uh, saw back on this past February, February 21st, 2021, that uh, new evidence had come out about mm-hmm. the assassination of Malcolm X and that there was an NYPD officer uh, by the name of Ray mm-hmm. Woods yep. who had made a deathbed com- um, confession mm-hmm. and gave it to his, father, uh, to his son. And now his son had given it to Attorney right. Benjamin Crump and Yasha Shabazz and the mm-hmm. Shabazz estate, and um, they actually ended up working with uh, Attorney Benjamin Crump and publicizing this information to show that the U.S. government was complicit in murdering and killing uh, Malcolm X. And of course, uh, and so this ties in all of what we have been saying. That's right. All of what we've been saying in the Nation of Islam about the Judas fact, and I don't want to get mm-hmm. too far into that situation because of that that in itself, you know, deserves its own podcast platform. But nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, one of the main right, it definitely that I does. That I use was Matthew ten thirty six. I I think I consistently go back to it periodically throughout the book. Uh, in Matthew ten thirty six, it, it's actually a a, a a repeat of the prophecy of Micah in chapter seven verse six of that book when it says that a man's worst enemies will be those 
of his own house. And it's prefigured by saying that a son will be against father and the father will be against son. And the mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. And then it ends off saying that a man's worst enemies will be those in their own house. So when we look at the archetype of a Jesus and a Judas, mm-hmm. you know, when we look at the archetype of a of a uh, Adam versus uh, the devil, or we look at the archetype of a Abraham versus uh, who was his uncle or his his father mm-hmm. styled in the Quran, his his name was Azar. He was opposed to. Abraham. Or we look at uh, Moses and Korah, or even if we look mm-hmm. at uh, David and Absalom, or we look. At a uh, Muhammad and and members of his own family that mm-hmm. peace and blessings be upon all these worthy souls. But look at how all of their um, families or people who were close to them have really opposed them most most passionately and viciously. Right. Though they were mm. uh, members to or very well associated, closely associated with the messenger. And so now you bring it into perspective, going above Eric Shepherd because he's just really right. a little, little bitty servant. But when you go to the man who I follow, who I'm striving to follow more perfectly mm-hmm. and align my mind with, that I may align my mind mm-hmm. with the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and ultimately align my mind with Allah God who came in person as far Muhammad. When the Honorable Miss Louis Farrakhan makes his rendezvous with destiny, it's mm-hmm. a part of that, part of that mathematical factoring will be the Judas factor mm-hmm. because there's going to be a Judas to rise up amongst um, our own yes, and that will uh, will we'll sell him out and, and, and we'll give him over to the enemy just as Judas did in the scripture but see as we're taught by the most honorable Elijah Muhammad only 25% of the New Testament is history 75% prophecy and of the whole bible 66 percent is prophecy and 33 percent is history so when we're looking at this we're looking at it from a uh we should we should read it with the prophetic mm-hmm. prefigurement and so i say all that to say that i put that out and the fact that that yes. movie came out and that final car news article came out and all of these historical references and mm-hmm. that uh the the new evidence of the assassination mm-hmm. of malcolm x and all it's all these things culminated all at once, and it was all yes, like a lot. Allah was giving a sign, a, a, a quadruple fold sign, at least from my perspective. And there were so many uh-huh. other historical references that we can we can use, yeah, and really. how all of our black leaders had a Judas uh, around them or amongst them. See, so then you know, like a I Judas. talked about on one of my final call talks, mm-hmm. was that you know what is the root of betrayal and essentially like the honorable miss lewis farcon said it's envy and jealousy and in short terms he in in a, in a book that we have called closing the gap he details the solution for it, which is actually to help the person whom you are envious or jealous of help them sincerely because mm-hmm. helping that person really is the cure to the ailment of that disease in the heart because if if your friend is a ceo and you want to become a successful ceo you know, but you're envious and jealous and you're questioning well, how they got that, how they do this. Well, don't try to uh, diminish their gift. In fact, focus and hone in right. on your own skill and gift. But if you really sincerely want to do that, then help them in the midst of you helping them. Right. You become like them. Because, right. Because you're you're essentially submitting mm-hmm. to their guidance. You become leadership. like them. You're submitting to their wisdom. And so that's, that is the number one lesson. That's so true. That we are given. 
because submission is the mathematical equivalent of humility. Mm-hmm. And so when you come into the nation, you write your letter. And when you write your letter, yes. like Malcolm X said in his yes. autobiography, he had to rewrite his letter at least 25 times. This letter is a letter from the most humble Muhammad, the master of Muhammad, and you have to inscribe mm-hmm. it just as he did in perfect cursive, in perfect lines, and you have to put it just how he put it. The the, the line spacing can't be too much, or it can't be mm-hmm. your your letters can't be too bold or too thin. You know, you have to uh, uh, align it correctly. It has to be uh, within the within the borders properly. And then you have to handwrite it. You know, and and what you're doing, you're repeating what the messenger has mm-hmm. said to Master Fraud Muhammad, but in it is a lesson because the lesson is that we have to go through stri- through trial and struggle to align ourselves with the messenger. We have to uh, struggle. We have to be patient. We have to be mm-hmm. persistent uh, through frustration and, and through trial and through all of these things, through, 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 right. through the self-doubt and, and trying to cancel our right. own greatness. We have to fight through all those things and, and right. we're not willing to struggle. Like the honorable Miss Lewis right. Farquhar, we're not willing to struggle to do this work, which is ultimately to set mm-hmm. our people and now the whole of humanity free from the clutches. If you're not willing to struggle, then you you might as well go and die because you're not worthy of living. Mm-hmm. You're not worthy of living if you say that you are revolutionary, but you're not willing to struggle against opposition. Right. So the greater opposition that comes means the greater the success that comes behind the opposition. Exactly. Because as it says in the 94th chapter, the, the fourth verse in the fifth verse of the holy quran surely after difficulty comes ease then it repeats itself and it says after difficulty comes ease so that is a comforting uh, statement by the god to the believer that your trial is temporary but like mama used to say back in the day baby hard times don't last forever but tough people do or tough times don't last forever <laughs> as she would say but tough people do so that, that's a lost wise way of saying the same thing, you know. And so it just goes that's to tell right. you that the, the wisdom of Allah is in all of us as well. So that's right. You know, that's just a short of, of my story and, um, you know, how, mm-hmm. how uh, you know, my name came to be in, in the minds and hearts of many people. But I want to say that my name is not greater than the uh, three men that I follow, who is the Honorable Miss Louis Farrakhan, the Most Honorable mm-hmm. Elijah Muhammad, and Master Fra Muhammad, uh, because it is it is through those three great men that I'm able to impart this wisdom and teach this wisdom. And had it not been for them, I would not know myself, and right. many people would not know that. In fact, they may have not even been two or three generations born if Master Fra Muhammad had not stepped foot in the hills of North America. Um, but less, you know, we're here now uh, by the grace of God, and so mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to. Um, make that known, but yes, family, that's that's my story. That's a beautiful story. It's so much humility and grace, you know, like so much that you have developed through the teachings, and I just love it because you have just embraced your journey and you've come into fruitation just so amazing, like the way that you are able to tie the things that you've gone to through the teachings Indeed. and through your path that you've walked is so beautiful. And I really oh. can't wait to read this book. 
I promise you, <laughs> like as soon as yeah, I see that it's well, available, I, I am sure going to be ordering on my that. Uh, special reserve <laughs> list. And um, I got a lot of people I got to get that book to. I'm going to be actually hand delivering it to people yes. myself. Yeah. But I, w- I wouldn't mind taking a trip out to California because oh I know I'm going to need a Amazing. That book is written because that's going to be a major feat in my life, you know, getting that done. So, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Oh yeah. I mean you're you're major in just I mean not only black history but just history in general. Like the the mark that you've made and I'm so glad that you know you've embraced it and it's not something where it's like uh, of course I knew it wasn't something that you regretted but it's definitely something that you've made into your life story where it just makes so much sense and it's something that um I don't know. I just value your story so much right, because right, I know right. what you have gone through now. I know the backstory. <laughs> and it was so, it was tough to watch it, not knowing all mm-hmm. of this because I, it was so, you, everyone was so curious. I can remember being so curious to what was going on and was this thing true about this gun and everybody feeling as though you were being set up. And, you know, I'm glad that so many things are cleared up and that mm-hmm. you're living and, um, a whole different, you know, walk of life now. Long, of course, and, you know, uh, speaking back on um, the movie Queen and Slim, mm-hmm. you know, I cried because, you know, they went back to Cleveland, Ohio, where mm-hmm. the incident, I think it was Cleveland or Columbus, Ohio. I th- I do Cleveland. And, um, you know, my mother, she mm-hmm. she's from Cleveland, Ohio. And, and uh, the brother at the end, Wow. He, they they showed a brother selling bean pies on the call with the final card newspaper. And I mm-hmm. said, I said, this this is nothing but a message from God because wow. and so I, I put it on my Instagram um uh like a few weeks, not a few weeks back, probably almost a year ago. And I, I shared it with my sister, uh y'all may have known her. Um she used to be known as I uh-huh. the segment. Or she now goes by Tazara Pass. She's she's a Hebrew Israelite now. But I shared it with her and I told her, I said, I said, sis, this was the alternate ending. But people mm-hmm. were thinking that I was talking about the alternate ending of that movie. But it was the alternate mm-hmm. ending about because she went through the same situation I did while I was going through it as far <clears> as, you know, going through all that political protesting and things like that and having affairs and everything, watching and surveilling her and stuff like that. And nobody, nobody really knew her story like that but they did know uh-huh. it. it was heavy at that time but my, i think my my story caught a little, right. just a little bit more wind but nevertheless we were like twin flames in that whole thing and and i love my sister so much and i told them when i, I uploaded the video and i tagged mm-hmm. i said this is this was the alternate ending it could, yeah it could have ended like this sis and everybody was coming like no this is the real that was y'all. i said these niggas don't know what we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. But nevertheless, <laughs> they don't. They don't right. understand. And, and so they don't get it. When they went back, it's so many they, levels they, to they, it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they switched scenes and they went back to Cleveland, Ohio, where the the uh, funeral was being held for Queen and Slim. And then they showed the mural being painted over the wall because they were mm-hmm. made into these great icons of Black history. Um, and the brother was out there from the Nation of Islam out of Mosque number 18 mm-hmm. selling bean pies. 
And uh, I said, wow, look at me. I could have been shot down in Florida, but now Allah has made me to be just one of his wow. helpers. And like the most humble Elijah Muhammad said in his uh, Theology of Time lecture, in a lecture in 1972, he said, uh, he said, there will be angels on every two blocks telling the people where to go. And I never knew that I would become one of his angels. So here I am, you know, doing what that brother did. So my alternate ending was that I wasn't in a casket horizontal or underground, but I'm standing up vertically as a living perpendicular from a former dead state, reawakened, reliving, put uh, ha- having a spirit right. of, of life in me now, having a spirit of love mm. in me now, and being an ambassador of love and an ambassador of truth, mm. and, and walking behind Farrakhan mm. as one of his soldiers. And so I just, I, I thought it was just, it was so surreal. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at the movie, but I'm like, my life is a movie, and so many of these elements in the movie are, I've lived, yes. and I wow. can see. It's like, right. it was like God showing me an alternate perspective of how things could have went if he was not present, but nevertheless. And so, you know, that's where I am now, um, you know, right. working with. Man, and I'm so glad that you're still here. And, and I'm so glad that all of those lessons that you've learned, like to how to approach things with, you know, more humility and grace and, and learning from all of the different things that you've gone through. I think that your story can be used in so I'll many different you. ways. And I know that people will be talking about you for years. You <laughs> you, it'll be a, it'll be something, man. I really thank you so much for your time and for just, you know, coming on the show and indeed, just giving us so indeed, much of your indeed. time. And, um, Everybody, you if you're listening, make sure you support. Instagram at you know? Empire Regime, that's spelled E-M-P-I-R-E-R-E-G-I-M-E. And you can send me a Facebook request. Uh, and my Facebook name is Najid Khalifa Muhammad, N-A-J-I-D-K-H-A-L-I-P-H-A Muhammad M-U-E. H-A-M-M-A-D. Um, but yeah, and, and I also, of course, as you know, if you do follow me, you know I sell the final cars and the bean pies. Um, and I have other business endeavors going, but uh, for now, that's, uh, you know, that's really what I like mm-hmm. to do um, in concerning concerning my people. It's just, it's a passion of mine naturally. So, and I thank you so much for having me, sis. I thank you for giving me this time to speak on your platform. Okay. And I, I pray that I, I of course. the truth and I pray that Allah has guided uh, the uh, words of my mouth and meditations of my heart. But I thank you so much, family. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. You have a wonderful right. night, and I'll have all your information in the description so you guys can follow. Okay? All right. You- Imagine being 21 years old and being labeled a domestic terrorist, being all over the news and, I mean, so much. And to find out, you know, years later, how all of this unfolded is, wow, it's like mind-blowing. I really want to thank Brother EJ for his time. He didn't have to come on and clear any of, you know, any of that up. But he, you know, he blessed me with this time and I really can't thank him enough. And I know that a lot of people are listening, especially from the Valdosta, Georgia area. 
And I think that it was uh, interesting that the day that we recorded this was the same day that they announced that they were going to reopen the Kendrick Johnson case. So, you know, it's a lot of different feelings that were (laughs) brewing up during the course of this interview. And, you know, I just uh, I've always wanted to speak to him. You know, it's, it's crazy how things have come to full circle to the forefront. But uh, there's certain people that I feel are oftentimes forgotten about or they never get a chance to tell their story or, you know, it's so many important things that have happened in history. And, um, you know, I just have always had an interest for it. So um, hopefully anybody that was I guess, you know, having all kind of speculations or different things in their head about Brother EJ, maybe this has gotten you to see that at the end of the day, he was just a human. Um, he was just a 20-year-old, 21-year-old who was really just uh, exercising his rights. And, and also, he was, uh, it was a college student. <laughs> Uh, like he said, this was something that he had done in class. This was really, it it seems as though it was something that, though it was a bold statement, it was blown out of proportion and put him in a position where he had no choice but to protect himself and got caught up in a situation where things got twisted around and it put him in a position where it labeled him for the rest of his life. And I feel like he's a great man. He's a wonderful person. And I love, you know, how he was able to bring a lot of things to, uh, I guess, in in parallel to the life that he's living now and who he is now, how he's been on that seven-year walk into, you know, um, the Nation of Islam. And it's just amazing, his story. I, I just... I'm fascinated with him, and I just, like I said, I can't thank him enough, and you're welcome to come back on the show at any time, but I um, I just can't imagine, you know, being in his shoes and going through what he's gone through, and, you know, I've gotten a lot of messages, and a lot of people were quite interested in this episode, so hopefully now you guys, um, you know, you found out as much as you were interested in, and you support Brother EJ on his uh, future endeavors. He has a a book that he's working on and other things that he does. So his information is in the description of this interview. You can just hit the details box and you'll find his information as well as mine. And you can support the both of us. Uh, I have a clothing brand. I also do music and I'm the host of this show. I also co-host a few other podcasts in the San Diego area. So if you guys want to know more about me, please, uh, you know, hit the details button. Follow me. My name is Busy Balboa again. And I just wanted to end it with one of my favorite artists from the Nation of Islam, which is Neelam. You guys be sure to follow her. I have her information in the description as well of this podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Continue spreading love, peace, positivity. My name is Busy Balboa and I'm out. I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay. I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay. I am a queen, yeah, I'm gonna slay. I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay. Playing a game that you wanna play? I'll be the king.
No, I don't show my body. All you do is do verbal. No, I'm not on display. Bentleys don't have commercials. Baby, you are rehearsal. We'll treat your ass like practice. Show you all that green and have you stuck like cactus. Now you caught in a trap. That's why they call it trapping. All these seasons are private. Homie, I am a captain. Throw you fast off the boat and I'll laugh as you float. Little Peter is shook because he ran in the hook. Read through you like a book. I can see through the lines. No, I don't get the picture. I don't like your design. I'm telling nigga to raise up from out of the grave because I'm more than a fling and I know you a king. No, we can't date. Baby, we can't court. Yeah. I am the judge, yes, you are in court You yeah. forbidden like pork, I'm as sharp as a fork You trying to drop off a baby, you better go find a store, find a store. Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him if he wants me yeah. Then he better ask nice on one knee uh. I done came through bondage, now that I'm free I won't get stuck in a chain with another lane uh. Going insane, cause he wore a chain Limit my range, cause he drove a range Playing the game because you wanna play? Nigga, I'll be the king, and I'm gonna slay I'll be the king, and I'm gonna slay I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay. I'm a queen, yeah, I'm gonna slay. I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay. Playing the game that you wanna play? I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay. I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay. I'll be the king. Nope, I can tell that your mind's vacant. Nope, look thirsty, hydrated. Yeah, I don't really want my time wasted. Nope, so there's no need for no conversation. Fact. I like my man all melanated. With plans all elevated Stab. Won't roam like a mobile home A good fella Scarface like the Coleons Yeah, he roll with a bundle When it comes to his dime He is ready to rumble Like Ali in his prime If he falls or he stumbles And starts losing his mind Then I pick up the fumble And run straight through the line Yeah, I'm pushing the line And I'll never be broken Cause the king has awoken In the land of the curse From the land of the stolen I was hated since birth But I worked till I get there Tell him, tell him, tell him, tell him If he wants me Then he better ask nice On one knee now that I'm free, I won't get stuck in a chain with another lane Going insane cause he wore a chain Limit my range cause he drove a range Playing the game because you wanna play? Look, I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay I'm a queen, yeah I'm gonna slay I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay Playing the game that you wanna play? I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay I'll be the king and I'm gonna slay I'll be the king. It's me long.